Well, good morning. We're going to do something we did, uh, we did last Sunday, and uh, you know how we love meet and greet around here, so we're not going to necessarily get up. Um, but Isaac, uh, you want to you help me out on this one again? So we're going to give you a chance just to turn around and wave and say hi to those in front of you, behind you, and then Isaac's going to pan that camera, and we're going to let you say hi to everyone in live stream land. So let's just meet and greet and wave. And then there's the camera. You can say hi to everyone out there in live stream land. Wow. Isn't it good to be together? It is good to be together. Welcome to everyone out there this morning at home. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I was just thinking this morning, uh, apart from the beautiful weather, you know, we are blessed at this church with the many gifts and the talents that God has brought. And uh, I just want to say thank you and, and ask you to encourage you, uh, ask you to join me in just saying thank you. We have an incredible facilities team and tech crew. And if you look around here, uh, you know, that's new. That canopy wasn't here last Sunday. And, and uh, you know, our heart, uh, why do we do this? Because God first loved us and we love you. And, and uh, why don't you, if you would just join me in saying thank you to the facilities crew and the tech crew that makes this all happen. Because it matters. It matters. And, and we're going to uh, continue our series through Ephesians uh, chapter 5, and, and I think by the time you're finished today, we're finished today, you're going to see why it matters and, and how um, for some here and for some of you uh, listening and watching online, I, I really believe, my prayer is that uh, before you we're done, that God will radically touch your life, that you will leave here uh, seeing things differently. I believe that the, you, there is a potential for somebody to have uh, a supernatural encounter with God and you came here for a 10 o'clock service, but the rest of the day and perhaps the rest of your life is going to be radically different because of what you're going to learn through God's Word today. So uh, we've been in Ephesians, and you know that Ephesians, I said last Sunday, was really not just a practical book, but a what? A supernatural book, right? And really, it's a supernatural book in terms of uh, the last uh, half of it is really about this supernatural walk. Okay, so we put our faith in Jesus at some point. We understand, uh, you know, he was crucified, he died, he rose from the dead, he's the savior of the world. We put our faith in him, we're resting fully in him. And then the question is, now what? Right, now what? Well, one of the themes in Ephesians has been to walk, right? To follow Jesus, to take a walk. And, and when you see the word walk in the Bible, it means what? Your life, how you should live, right? The totality of your life, your lifestyle is your walk. So in Ephesians 4, 1, it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to what? Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So basically, we've seen before, our walk, our life should match our talk. Our behavior should match our beliefs. Our conduct should match our creed, okay? That's what it means to have a walk worthy of our calling. Okay, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, it says, therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, and what? Walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're to walk in a manner worthy. We're to walk in love. Ephesians 5.8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. What does it say? Walk, everyone together, walk as children of light. Okay, so we're, we're to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. We're to walk in love. And now we're to walk as children of light. We've, we looked at that last Sunday. So the question is, okay, I get it. We're supposed to walk. We're supposed to do, take this walk. So, well, how do we do that? Does that just come into church? 
that just reading my Bible? Is that, is that just, is, is walking with Jesus just believing all the right things? Does that mean I'm walking? Is, is walking being a good moral person? Is that what it means to walk? What does it mean to walk? Remember, uh, maybe a year or so ago, we talked about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower. And, and we saw this quote, it says, you know, uh, may you follow your rabbi so closely that you be covered in his dust, right? And may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi, right? So if we're to be following Jesus, if we're to be following him so close that we would be covered in the dust of Jesus if we were back in those times, how do you do that in 2020, soon to be 2021, right? What does it mean to walk, right? And so these next verses we're going to focus on today really give us an explanation of how you do this walk, right? Ephesians 5, 15 to 17 says this, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We're going to walk through these these, uh, three verses today. In verse 15, it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. So what's the first thing it says? Look carefully. Look carefully. That means continually be diligent, be aware of how you're walking, right? Not walking in ignorance, right? Take time to say, okay, time out. Lord, how am I doing? How's my walk? Have I drifted, right? I shared with you before the story uh, when I would uh, like to go fishing at the islands, and, you know, we'd get out to this spot, and the, the captain would circle around, and he's looking at the fish finder radar, and he would get this one spot, and then they would drop the anchor or, or just kind of stay right there. And he says, okay, you can drop your lines, and we would drop our lines, right? And you go, boom, 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 and you're catching all these fish, and suddenly it goes real quiet, and no one's catching anything. And the captain says, oh, we drifted. And here's the thing, you know, I've shared with you, I was so focused on my, the tip of my rod and, you know, not wanting to miss the bite that I didn't even know we drifted. And sometimes in our life, sometimes in our walk, we're so focused on what's right in front of us that we didn't realize we drifted. We didn't realize. So the captain would say, oh, reel him up. We'd have to reel him up and we'd have to circle back around and he would have to find the spot and put us right over the rocks or whatever was underneath where all the fish was. And so when it says, look carefully, sometimes you got to say, Lord, have I drifted? Have I drifted? And here's here's the challenging part. Sometimes you can drift even when you're doing a lot of good stuff. Even when you're coming to church, even when you're doing a lot of, of, you know, things of the Lord, I'm talking about drifting from your own walk and your own love and passion for God. You remember uh, the church in Ephesus in Revelation? They were doing a lot of good things, but he said what? But you left your first love. You drifted. And sometimes, depending on how long you've been a follower of Jesus, you can get caught up in doing a lot of good things and serving, but you might have drifted from your first love, right? So he says, how do you say this? Look carefully then how you walk, be diligent, not as unwise, but as wise, okay? When it says not as unwise, it's kind of like, you know, lacking discernment. You're just kind of like, doop de doop de doop de doop right? And he says, don't be like that. Don't be like, be, exercise wisdom. Exercise wisdom, okay? So, so you have to be diligent. And then it says, 
in verse 516, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, depending on how you're wired here or if you're watching online, when it says in the English Standard Version, making the best use of time, some of you are like, ah, time management skills. Ah, I, I've got to be efficient. This is, this is the efficiency. Oh, he's talking about packing my schedule even more full than it's packed already. That's making the best use of time. Oh, he means, he means, he means just, you, you know, no, no. If you read that as time management, efficiency, packing your schedule, you're not catching what he means about making the best use of time, okay? Because there's a lot of people who are doing a lot of good things and your schedules are really full, but it may not be the best in terms of what God wants you to be doing. See, we can get caught up in a lot of good things and serving God and doing all kinds of things, but here's the thing. It may not be what God's best is for you at this particular season. Okay, so it says making the best use of the time. It does not mean time management and filling your schedule. Okay, and in fact, a couple other uh, translations actually help us. It says this in the NIV, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In the New King James Version, it says redeeming the time because the days are evil. Okay, so those two, those two translations really help us move away from this time management mindset to more of a qualitative making the most of every opportunity. In fact, uh, Mark mentioned Black Friday. Great example, right? What is Black Friday all about? Why do they get so many people, uh, you know, last year, year before, into the stores, this year <laughs> into the store slash online? How do they do that? Well, what do they do? They say, Limited time. Black Friday only lasts from here to here. What do they? They get you stirred up to what? Make the most of that opportunity. Take advantage. It's Black Friday. It's Cyber Monday tomorrow. What are they getting you to do? Take advantage of the deal before it goes away. That's what this verse means. Make the best use of this opportunity. Take advantage of the opportunities that God brings to you. That's what this really means. That's the heart. That's the mindset, okay? Redeeming the time, the word picture is kind of like what we have here every Sunday in downtown. It's a farmer's market. It's buying up opportunities. So you go to farmer's market, you go to a swamp meet, wherever. You're looking for opportunities. You see an opportunity. What do you do? You seize it. You get in there, right? That's what he's talking about. That's the word picture, Right? Uh, one person says this the disciple of Christ is to be an expert merchant in the commodity of time. He is to be always engaged in buying up opportunity. So, you got a question for you. Just, just think about this. How have you been viewing time lately? As a commodity? Has it been something valuable? Or is time something you waste or time, something you kill? Right? Ah, uh, just killing some time. What value, how much have you seen time as a commodity? A commodity, right? Uh, the devotional Our Daily Bread says this, redeeming the time goes far beyond being efficient. It's a wonderful phrase that can also be translated, making the most of every opportunity. It suggests an attitude toward living that sees every situation as the perfect occasion to do God's will 
and influence others for him. During these evil days, we are to live out the goodness God has placed in us through faith in Christ. Galatians 6.10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. It's looking around, radically changing how you view time, radically changing what's going to happen in your life and in my life when you leave here. Actually, I should take that back. Radically changing as you sit here. Radically changing your view of what's happening right now as you sit here or you're watching at home right now. Right now. Radically changing it. One commentary says this. The believers should carefully use their time, making use of opportunities for doing good. This implies that we should not allow ourselves to be controlled by our circumstances. Rather, we should make use of time as a valuable commodity or resource, as a master does with his servant. We should not read into this verse that God expects or condones workaholics. God has given us periods of both work and rest. We must never find in Scripture an excuse to neglect our physical needs or the needs of our families. Okay, so question. If we're to redeem the time, if we're going to make the best use of the opportunities, um, how, have been, how have you been making uh, use of the last nine months, this pandemic? Have you been seeing it as just something we got to get over? Or have you said, Lord, how do I make the best use of this opportunity? This is a season. How do I make the best use of this opportunity? It's interesting because in verse 16, it says, because the days are evil. He doesn't say, make the best use of the time when the evil days go by or go away or when your circumstances get better. He says, because the days are evil, make the best use of the time. Isn't that crazy? He says, you know what? The moral conditions of the culture are such that as a believer, there's an abundance of opportunity. Amen? Because of the circumstances, of the evilness of that culture, hey, Christians, remember he's writing to Christians, hey, Christians, hey, you at the well, hey, you listening. Because the days are evil, there's a plenty of opportunities to make best use of it for God's glory. But you have to have your eyes open. You have to be looking. You have to be looking. And it's a choice. Redeeming the time is a choice. And that's where you got to kind of catch yourself and say, okay, wait, have I been more circumstance-driven? Have I kind of fallen into the funk that, oh, man, I just wish this thing was over. I don't know why we're outside. I don't, you know, why can't we be in there? And we kind of have fallen into this funk of, you know, when is this? And you just kind of, rather than looking out for opportunities, you've turned inward. And you've kind of withdrawn. And now, because you've turned inward, what you've done is said, Lord, when my circumstances get better, then I'll redeem the time. And this verse is the exact opposite. Because the days are evil, make use of the opportunities all around you. All around you. Okay? So we have to ask ourselves, what is our view of time? How have you been viewing time? Okay, Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, that doesn't mean just counting and wondering how, how many more days I have left on this planet. When that word says number, it means to weigh or measure. Make every day count. 
So when you woke up this morning, was part of your prayer, Lord, I want today to count. Lord, before I put my head on my pillow, I want to use the opportunities. I want to take full advantage of the opportunities you bring so that at the end of this day, when I'm about to go to sleep, I can say, Father, thank you that this day counted for you. This day counted for the kingdom. I did my best to seize and take advantage of all the opportunities, all the conversations, the people you brought into my life. Father, it was a good day. It was a full day. And here's the thing. You might not have left your house. You might have took full advantage of the opportunities in your house with your family, with your close friends. We're not talking about It's not about being busy. It's about taking advantage of the opportunities God presents to you wherever you are. Wherever you are, Psalm 39.4, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. Again, what a great way to start each day. Father, this morning, today, as I start the day, I want to redeem today. I want to make the most of today. Amen? Radical shift. Radical shift, right? And, and part of this... I've shared with this before is the biblical words for time, okay? There's two words, uh, primary words for time in the Bible. One is chronos, okay? One is kairos. So everyone say chronos. Say kairos. Okay, chronos is what we normally think of time. It's quantitative, right? Uh, that's time as linear. Years, months, weeks, days, hours. That, that's chronos, where we get the word chronological, Okay, uh, Matthew 2, 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exact, the exact time the star had appeared. That's chronos, right? What time? Okay. In Ephesians, he's talking about kairos. And this is where, if you get this and you understand this, it radically change you right now, right? Kairos sees time as windows of opportunity, seasons, eras, events. It's qualitative. It's qualitative, okay? Uh, and so what happens is, is, is it's not either or, it's both. Let me give you an example. This service was scheduled to go from 10 to 11-ish, right? So you, some of you, and most of us live in the world of chronos. What time's church? 10? What time's it's over? Uh, maybe about 11, 11, 15. We'll leave about 11.30. Uh, then what are we going to do? Well, we're going to go to lunch, what time? Ah, uh, maybe like 12 to 1, 1 or 2. And then what are we going to do? Well, then we're going to... Most of us live our life in Kronos world. You're schedule-driven. You're time-driven. Right? That's Kronos. Nothing wrong with that. That's just the way we're, we're wired. What he's saying here, and this is the biblical view of time that's brought, that's brought to that, he's like, hey, you know what? As you're walking through, as you're living your chronological schedule for the rest of the day... Bring in the idea of, ka- of kairos. Make it qualitative. Here's an example. When you come to church on Sunday, you have to make a choice. Is this just a chronos service? I'm going to go to church, starts at 10, we're going to sing, he's going to talk, there'll be announcements, then we're going to leave. That was another wonderful chronos service. Okay? Or this morning or next Sunday, hopefully, are you going to say this? Lord, 
It's chronos from 10 to 11, but I'm going to make the best of it. I am going to buy up this opportunity to be with the church family from 10 to 11. Amen? Amen. I am going to redeem the time, Lord. I'm going to redeem this time. You know, I shared with the leadership team about, um, we were talking about this verse, and I was sharing with what we're going to do. Okay, real quick. Look around. Just look around. Okay. I'm going to guess that there's a 99.999999% chance that this particular group will never be together again on a Sunday. This exact group. So now look around and change. <laughs> I'm going, oh, you're going, and I'm never going to see you again. This is horrible. No, that's not what, it's not meant to like bum you out. <laughs> I'm sad. We're never going to be together. Or, or are you at home? This particular instance, I don't even have an idea. What time is it? It's uh, 1045. 1045, this exact moment with us here and this exact group watching on the live stream, this will never, ever replicate itself. So if you say, this is Kairos, we have to take advantage of this. We have to take advantage. See, this is my heart. I shared with them. Every time I prep and I'm praying, Lord, help me you know, get right in the right spirit and the right mindset for, for church, I am reminded that it's much more than the mechanics of church. There's the mechanics. There's the chronos part if you want set up, meetings at 8, all this kind of stuff. Here at 6.30, all this kind of stuff. But on top of that, he actually deeper than that, he says, you know what? Okay, take care of the chronos, but I have to really live in the world of kairos. The people that you are going to bring here, the people that are going to watch on the live stream or during the week, for me to be in the right place spiritually, I have to say this is Kairos. We have to make the most of this. We do. There were people here last Sunday, may never come back. Visitors from out of town, yada, yada, right? Every time we're together, whether it's here, whether it's at a Bible study, a women's event, a men's event, uh, whatever gathering of the church family, you got to bring Kairos. It's not just Tuesday night from 6.30 to 8 and beyond-ish, right? It's not just a Bible study you're going through. It's not just a men's group you're going through. It's not just another women's study. It's like, no, there's the chronos element, but let's kairos this. Let's make the most of this time we have together. And that's why, you know, part of me has actually embraced this uh, fluidity of where we're doing church because a lot of us has broken the tradition and the trappings of church. Right? This is pretty cool. Amen? Like, look out here. I mean, it's November 29th, and look at this. I mean, but for the pandemic, we would never do it out there. We would be stuck in there until Jesus came back. <laughs> right? We have this pandemic. They say, oh, you can't come, you know. And we go, oh, we got to go outside. We have a choice to make. We can like be bummed and like do nothing out here and I could stand here and have none, none of this. Or we can say, you know what? Let's kairos this outside. Let's make the most of this. Let's invest energy, time, money if we have to. Let's make this the best that we can do for everyone that gathers here on Sunday. Because if we do that, then it helps you do that with each other. And hopefully by the time you leave here, you'll have been blessed. Maybe you'll make a new friend. Maybe you just enjoy being around people again, right? 
And so this is, this is that blending, and this is where it could be a radical shift. Your church experience, your fellowship with the believers will radically shift if you at least bring in the balance, Kronos and Kairos. Just bring it in the balance. Make the most of every opportunity, every conversation you have when this is done. Be, be present. Be present. Listen, share your life. Because here's the thing, like I said, you at home, us here, this group, not going to be the, it's not going to happen again. This is a one-off. Next Sunday, there'll be a different group. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to kairos them. We're going to make the most of that. That's what it's about, okay? Living not just in Kronos, but in Kairos. And here's a challenging thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to forewarn you. I'm going to forewarn you. If you're going to live in Kairos and you're going to say, Lord, I want to buy up the opportunities you bring. I want to redeem the time, okay? Especially when you leave here. Here's the thing. It's going to be inconvenient and not on your time schedule. Someone might call you and want to talk. Someone might text you and say, hey, do you have a few moments? If we're available and we're going to look for opportunities and ask God to bring opportunities in our life, he will, but then you got to give up your schedule. I call those divine appointments and kingdom opportunities. Okay? So it might be inconvenient, might be something out of the blue, but you got to give God that window in your life to bring that kairos moment, to bring that kairos moment, okay? And then in verse 17, it says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So if we're going to walk, we're going to walk carefully, we're going to walk in wisdom, we're going to walk with eyes, right? to buy up opportunities that God brings. We're going to walk with kairos, a kairos mentality, right? And then it says, understand what the will of the Lord is. We're going to walk basically according to Scripture, the will of God. We're going to walk in faith and obedience. And foundational to that is what? What's God's will? Number one, salvation. Ephesians 5, uh, I'm sorry, it's in 1 Peter. It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's actually, yeah, Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So what is God's will? Salvation. First and foremost, what is God's will? What is God wanting? What is God desiring? Everybody to be saved. Amen? Okay, so two application points. This morning, if you don't know if you're saved, by golly, get saved. <laughs> Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus this morning. That's God's will for you. And then here's a crazy thing. If you are saved, what's God's will? is for you to go out and share the good news. How many of you get a little bit nervous that God might use you to, to share the gospel. Honest, show of hands, show of hands. Ah, yeah, yeah. Right? Right? At home too. How many of you at home get nervous? Why do we get nervous? Rejection. Okay. Fear, fear of rejection, right? Let me, let me uh, help you with that because, you know, I was way back as a young believer and dealing with that. A uh, great book by uh, Bill Bright, uh, Witnessing Without Fear. And he said uh, something to this effect. I read this like 30 years Success in witnessing 
is simply sharing the good news and leaving the results to God. Yes. Amen? Yes. So if you share the good news, that's success. Define that as success. Most of the time, we define success as we got to close the deal. <laughs> we got to maneuver them to recite something, right? And if they don't, or if they, if they say no thank you, or that's good for you, but not for me, right? Somehow we take it personal, like it's a personal rejection. No. Success in witnessing is just sharing the faith and leaving the results to God. Amen? How many of you can do that? Just share. Share good news. Because it's good news. Amen? <laughs> like, it's kind of weird. Like, isn't that weird how, how the flesh and the enemy twist it? We had the best news ever, but we're scared to share it. Like, that'd be like, you know, Jordan uh, proposing to Shiloh, you know, and then, oh, I'm afraid to share the good news that she said yes, you know? <laughs> What are you afraid? You know, it's good news. I know, but you know, isn't that kind of weird, right? If you put it in those terms, it's good news. Define success as sharing it and leave the results to God. Because we know that's his will for people to be saved, okay? We also know that once you're saved, his will is that you be transformed, right? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, and perfect. So what is God's will for you once you come to know Jesus? Transformation, metamorphosis, being more and more like Jesus, okay? And that's what we do here. That's why we open the scriptures all the time, because that's the foundation of it all. It's God's truth through the word. Warren Wiersbe says this, how long will the rest of our lives be? We don't know. Nobody knows. We may have many years, or we may have many days. We could be called home to glory before the day ends. We don't know. When you are redeemed, you are set free from bondage to the old life. This is why Ephesians 5.16 tells us to redeem the time. Don't live the rest of your life the way you used to live. You have been set free from that. Therefore, redeem the time. Buy up the opportunity. Make the most of the rest of your life. Amen? You see... Some people believe that, oh, you know, you put your faith in Jesus, you got your, you know, fire insurance, you know, you're not going, you're not going to hell, and then they just sort of go into cruise control and, and wait it out. And really, when he says redeem the time, it's like, you know what? Don't live so much in Kronos. Live every day looking to buy up the opportunities that God brings your way. Every day. Every day, right? I love this, uh, this passage. Jesus says this, right, in John 17, 4. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. How many of you would love to say that? Right? Even the Apostle Paul, 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. How many of you would love to say, I have fought the good fight, right? I have finished the race. I have remained faithful. Well, how do we do that? You redeem the time. You redeem the time. You make the most of every opportunity. And then whenever the Lord calls us home, 
You hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And you're like, but I really didn't do anything big. No, you didn't have to do anything big. You just had to redeem the time. You lived a life where you were looking for opportunities that came my way, that I brought to you, and you took full advantage. You shared the gospel when needed. You You prayed for somebody when needed. You texted someone and encouraged them when needed. That's the walk. That's the walk that he calls us. And the basis of it is what? Redemption. Redemption. Right? Redeem the time. Really, because you've been redeemed. Remember, the redeem is to buy back. The other uh, part of that definition of redemption means to pay a ransom. It was kind of used in the Greek culture to pay a ransom to set slaves free. You would pay a ransom. You would redeem them. You would buy them back, right? Well, in Ephesians 1.7, it says this. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. So not only does he call us to redeem the time, he, want, he reminds us in Ephesians 1.7, you've been redeemed. You were redeemed. A price was paid for you. You've been set free, amen? We've been set free. We have redemption, right? I love this passage. It's kind of long, but I just want to share it with you. 1 Peter 1, 18 to 25. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must also show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. Amen? We have received redemption. And it's not, I love it. You ever think that as a believer, there is a chronos element? Eternity? If you're a believer this morning, the Bible says your name is written in the book of life. And if your name is written in the book of life, there is an eternal life that we've already started, but there's an eternal component to fellowshipping with God and one another for all eternity. Amen? So there's that chronos element, but then there's this kairos element, this qualitative element that's like the woo, yeah, yeah, it's like the woo, woo. It's not just like, see, that's the crazy thing, right? Some people, I remember when Bill did a series on heaven, and you had to like dispel this myth that heaven is like some boring church service that goes on and on and on and on. Like, like people look at heaven like, oh my gosh, this is like the never-ending church service. No, no, right? And it's not like harps and all this kind of weird stuff, right? No, there is this qualitative kairos element that we're going to enjoy. 
this fellowship with God and with one another for all eternity, right? That blending of the two. And then I love that because you don't have to wait for that qualitative element. You don't have to wait for it. What does Jesus say in John 10, 10? The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How many of you this morning, since you've become a follower of Jesus, you would without doubt say, there is a qualitative change in my life. Just like, come on, like mind-blowing, not perfect, but just qualitatively different. Like joy, purpose, significance, friends, like just qualitative difference. So, I mean, think about that. So, again, this, is, this can radically change how you will view what you do once service ends here and w- when you leave here. To blend even your chronos element that you have eternal life with the kairos element, the qualitative element that, man, my life is just radically different. Amen? And then want to share that with people. Why wouldn't you want to share that? It's the best news ever. And here's the thing. Remember it says, redeem the time because the days are evil. The world right now needs good news. The world needs hope. The world needs to get out of circumstance. The world needs truth. The world needs Jesus. The world just needs Jesus. And it's not preachers like us. It's, it's all of us. Going out there and redeeming the time. When you leave here, if you're going to go out to lunch, have your spiritual eyes open. Maybe it's the waiter or waitress that needed a kind word. And you bought up that opportunity to, to put a smile on their face because they had a rough morning. Right, Cindy? Amen, right? Amen for all the, all the <laughs> hardworking servers, right? Look around you. Look around you, even in your own house. Buy up the opportunities. Redeem the time. Make the most of it. Make the most of it, okay? Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do communion. So, Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you that it's not just a service that goes from 10 to 11-ish. We're not just filling a schedule. We're not just checking a box. Father, this morning we're, we're privileged to redeem the time, this time, to make the most of this opportunity recognizing that those here and those on, online, this is the group for November 29th, 2020. So thank you, Father. And as we prepare for communion, we, we make the most of this opportunity to speak to you from the bottom of our hearts. We love you, Jesus. Thank you that we can symbolically remember our redemption our forgiveness by taking communion. We love you, Jesus. We take this communion in remembrance of you. Amen.